Welcome to The Nest Podcast, a place where we have down-to-earth, uplifting conversations about women's health, healing, our inherent feminine wisdom, and the magic that happens when we decide to be the hero of our life and not the victim of it. Here we'll explore a wide range of topics from holistic nutrition, metabolic health, and balancing your hormones, to mind-body medicine and how intuition, spirituality, and consciousness are revolutionizing health and healing. On this episode, I'm joined by Lara Day. Lara is the author of the 13 Holy Nights Oracle Deck and a neurogenic Qigong practitioner. Her unique and innovative healing method interweaves Chinese energy medicine with tension and trauma releasing work. Lara and I dive deep into an enlightening conversation about the mysteries of the unseen and the wisdom that's held within our bodies. We discuss not only how it relates to her energy work combining TRE and Qigong, but also in the spiritual practice of the 13 Holy Nights and how it can help us reclaim the sacred energy of the holidays. So sit back, open your heart and mind, and get ready for a dose of inspiration to motivate you on your healing journey. Let's dive in. Hi, Lara. Hi, good morning. Thank you so much for coming on the show. I'm so excited to have this conversation. We have some really juicy topics that we're going to dive into here. Yeah, so I have already given your a bit of your bio in the, our introduction. But to start out, I want to chat before we get into the 13 holy nights and talking about the holidays and all of that. I wanted to chat with you first about Qigong Jeez. and specifically your like what you've created with the neurogenic Qigong. And to kick us off, I was wondering if you could just chat a little bit or give the listeners an idea of how you came to even find Qigong. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, I found, um, Qigong through, um, illness actually. And, um, when, when my daughter was an infant, we both contracted Lyme disease hiking on the East coast, came back to Colorado and were misdiagnosed for years or undiagnosed, misdiagnosed for years. Mm -hmm. And, um, very early on in my healing journey, I, uh, went to see my teacher, Damaris Charbot as a client, somebody, a friend had, had said, Oh, there's this woman. And, and I went to go see her and she was amazing. And I trusted my friend so much. I didn't even really need to know that much about the woman. And I was also, you know, really not feeling well and sort of in a desperate time with the young child. And, and yeah. so how old was your daughter when she, she was bit by a tick. I'm assuming that's how you guys. Yeah. Yeah. So she was just three years old. Oh, wow. Okay. When, when we both, yeah. So, and it's the timeline's a little more complicated than that because I actually started having issues just after her birth, but then it got exponentially complicated when we just, you know, added Lyme disease on top of that. But I won't go into the details because it's unnecessary, but anyhow, so I went to go see this woman, Damaris. I didn't even know what Qigong was and she, she's brilliant. She, I would say operates or lives or inhabits a, a different realm than most of us do on a daily basis. She, you know, she, she tells stories about her mom noticing that she was doing energy work when she herself was three years old, a young child, and her mom would try to hide it from their family and friends because they lived in Texas. And this was like, not something that was, you know, cool and acceptable within their circle. So anyway, so I went to see Damaris and I, I walked out of there still not having any clue what Qigong was, what she had done to me. She hadn't even touched me. You know, I had laid on her, on her table and, and, um, and she was, you know, eyes were closed, but she was, she was doing things. I don't know what she was doing. 
And I walked out of there literally feeling like I had been breathing underwater for years and I didn't know it. And suddenly, suddenly I could breathe again. It was like, there was more space in my lungs and I literally felt taller. And I remember, I remember uh, her office was right by Whole Foods. And I went to the grocery store afterwards to pick some things up. And I remember standing in line at the, at the checkout feeling like I had, I, it was, it was almost disorienting because I felt like I had a whole nother perspective. Like I had literally gained inches or something like, like, am I, that's actually, crazy. I love it. Am I actually taller? Like, why does this feel, you know, cause I've been to that grocery store a million times. Right. Yeah. So, and it just felt different. And so that day I, uh, I signed up for her four-year program. And, um, I, like I said, like, I literally I still didn't know what Qigong was. She's, she's incredible. And she's not, I would say that, um, her forte is not bridging the gap between where she's at and complete beginners. And so, um, so she didn't really define for me a lot of the words that she threw at me that day. And it was like, Jing Chi Shen, and you have foreign energy and all these things. And I was just kind of doing my best to listen, but like, what is she talking about? But anyway, I signed up. I mean, the feeling that I had was so, it was so clear and there was such an obvious and legitimate shift in the way that I felt that I just said, I don't know what she did. And I, I just, I need to study with this woman. That's amazing. So, yeah. So that and was so, how she gone. And so to clarify, you signed up for her four-year training, like you then studied under her because you're like, whatever this was, I need to do this. Correct. Yeah. So I did, she has, she has a four-year program and that was what I did. And she's actually, I think it was the last year that she was teaching. The first year was taught by one of her longtime students. And then the following three years she taught, I'm not sure which portion of it she's teaching now, but I think the first three years or maybe other, other teachers now. Yeah. And isn't it funny? We had said this actually before I pressed record on this call, but we were, we were chatting a little and, you know, we had said, it's always the way, isn't it? With healers, like it's, we, we come to our life's work through our own illness and we wouldn't study with such like, like (laughs) zeal or zest. We wouldn't necessarily have the same motivation. Um, And for you, you had the added of like, it wasn't just to heal yourself. It was also to heal your daughter. Right. And, and, and like we were talking about, I, I often say that, you know, my own suffering, you know, not that it's enjoyable, but no big deal. I can handle it. But my daughter's suffering as a mom is, is truly unbearable for me. And so, yes, it was, uh, I would never have studied the way that I did if I weren't up against such a wall. And I, I think that's the story of so many healers. Right. And, and it has to be that way. I mean, how can you truly have compassion for your clients if you haven't been there, you know? And so, um, so yeah, it's the wounded healer journey. hundred percent. I think of that every time I go through something like another, you know, another cycle of death and rebirth in my life where it's like, you know, something's coming up and, uh, with my health or whatever. And, um, you know, you go into it, you, you know, you have the learning, you have the experience, you come out the other side with the wisdom gained. And then suddenly I'll have, you know, new patients book in and they'll have had, you know, they're going through the exact same thing that I just came out of. And that's just how it works. It's so beautiful. That's when you have to believe that there is something like for me, that strengthens my faith that there is some order to this madness. Greater intelligence. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. Yeah. 
Okay. So for those listening who maybe have no idea what Qigong is, could I yes. ask kind of yeah. that a little yes. bit? So Qigong, Qi means universal life force energy, right? Is the Chinese for universal life force energy. And Gong is uh, like a, a practice or a good work, a good hard work. And so actually the greater umbrella of Qigong encompasses many, many meditative practices. And uh, so the one that I often uh, bring up for people who, who get that blank look on their face, like what is Qigong uh, is Tai Chi. Most people have an idea of, oh yeah, Tai Chi and these, you know, these slow movements. Tai Chi is a martial art that mm -hmm. is a form of Qigong. So, and of course people practice Tai Chi for all kinds of reasons, not, not just to learn combat, but, but ultimately Tai Chi is a, is a martial art. And mm -hmm. so the Qigong that I teach and practice is more for general well-being, healing, um, whether, you know, physical, emotional, spiritual, self-improvement, those sorts of things. So again, life force energy, a good work, it is the cultivation of, or the good work of cultivating this life force energy within us, right? And so there's two pieces to that. There's the personal practice, which looks maybe like Tai Chi, or it could also be seated practices where you are moving that life force energy, you're moving energy internally with your mind and your breath. Mm -hmm. Say that the mind leads the chi, yeah. right? So there's personal practices, whether seated and internal or standing and, you know, external movement practices. And then there's medical qigong or qigong healing, which looks like there's a, a patient or a client on the table. And there's a practitioner who is working with the meridians, the energy streams and flows in the body and the point systems, much like acupuncture, but without the needles, right? Yeah. And so we're either using our hands to stimulate those points along the meridians or even off body, a lot of off body energy work, but still again, working with, with the whole system of, you know, the meridians and, and the rivers and flows of energy within the body. So, uh, so that's what Qigong is. It's, I think it's amazing. I mean, I've obviously practiced acupuncture for more than a decade now. And this idea of, you know, moving as a practitioner and, you know, someone on the table suffering from different physical or, you know, emotional ailments and being able to manipulate the flow of chi with the needles and flow through the meridians. However, this is without the needles, right? And you're also empowering people with the knowledge of then how to do it on their own when they're home. Yes. Yeah. So when I work with clients, I, I absolutely always give homework and I guess we could bring it in now, but, um, so what I do is I combine neurogenic tremor work with mm. Qigong. And so it's this very unique, um, coming together of the modalities that I learned on my healing journey, right. And the things that really helped me and, um, actually shifted my, my, my health and, um, my well-being. So the neurogenic tremor piece, I studied with an organization called TRE or Tension and Trauma Releasing Exercises. And this organization was created by a man named David Berselli. And he was a trauma therapist working in the Middle East and, you know, war-torn zones, working, working with huge populations of really traumatized people. And he very quickly realized that he did not have the tools to help these numbers of people. And he also was developing PTSD himself. 
And so he was uh, looking for new tools and uh, he was in a bomb shelter one day, bombs were being dropped. I don't know how many people were in there with him, but I know he was, he was with a group of people. And he noticed that the children were shaking and tremoring and the adults were not. Mm. And he got really curious about that and started to explore tremoring and trauma and healing and all of these things. And he, I know he, he was able to take a look at, you know, animals and notice that animals do this when they're scared or traumatized. For instance, if you could think of a gazelle being chased by a lion and when it finally recognizes that it is actually safe, it's not going to be dinner and it knows hundred percent it's in a safe place, it will shake and tremor and then go back to grazing with the herd as if nothing had happened. So it's a reset, right? A reset for the nervous system, for the autonomic nervous system. And it is that shaking, that tremoring is allowing the deep tissues that contract when we experience stress. So if you think if there were a loud noise, you know, you know, right outside your door or your window, you would contract, right? Auto- automatically, auto- autonomically. It's not a, you don't have to think about it. It's not, it's not a controlled thing. Yeah. And so, so, you, you know, nobody opens up like this, your eyes don't get wide and you don't, you don't open up and go, what's that noise? You know, we all, we all pull into fetal position. And so, so that tremoring is releasing the tension that's held deep, deep, deep in the tissues and the fascia, I think allowing that to loosen up and release. And so, um, it is, shocking and fascinating what is held in our bodies. And when we just get out of the way, and this is not, you know, the work is, is not a process that's controlled. You know, we're not choreographing, oh, I have a shoulder injury. So I'm going to shake and tremor my shoulder. You know, it's, it's, we start the tremor process. We turn that on in the body, which is surprisingly easy. Most of my clients laugh out loud and are, are kind of, you know, like, wow, I I didn't know my body could do this. This is so strange, but it's happening. And it's, you know, so, so we turn on that autonomic tremor and then we just let the body go. And I've, you know, throughout the years, I've, I've learned some kind of tricks and nudges to help the tremor move into different parts of the body. And, and so there is a little bit of playfulness with it, but for the most part, it's really a body led practice. And, uh, it is incredible the, the things that will release the mem- suppressed memories will come up and it's, it's really wild. So, so what, a, what, what I do is I, when I work with clients, we get on the mat, we do it, we do a very brief Qigong practice just to get in our bodies mm-hmm. and into that place of the felt sense. And then we lie down, we turn on the tremor, we do that for a while. And, and once the, the client is comfortable in that tremor and in their experience, then I'll check in and say, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to do some energy work now. You know, I'm going to be silent for a little while. I'm right here. If you need me, you can, you know, talk, we have conversations while this is all happening and I'll go ahead and, and interweave the medical Qigong or the Qigong healing while they are in their tremor process. We work with healing sounds. If, you know, if I do a read on their energy body and there's, there's, there's a lot of, of earth imbalance or earth that wants some attention in their within their system then we'll use the healing sound for earth as they're tremoring and notice how that affects the tremors or doesn't affect the tremors so it's it's a big experience 
people really do experience massive shifts. I just had a client last week who, you know, I, I could see it as soon as we finished our session. He, he looked young, like he looked like an entirely different person. And he, you know, and he, he texted me later that day and was like, oh my God, I looked in the mirror and I look like 10 years younger. This is incredible. So it's, it's, it's mysterious and, and a really powerful, I don't even know what to call it. It's legit. It's legit. It is legit. And you know, it's interesting because on my, my whole healing journey, you know, I started with Damaris uh, 14 years ago and, and I got to the point with the Qigong where I knew it was legit. And for me, I had had way too many experiences where I say that, um, you know, it's, it's not blind trust, it's faith built on a series of experiences, right? That where you're building your relationship with the world of energy and the unseen. Yeah. And so I, I had a very strong faith in the Qigong and, and I, I knew that it was legit, but I would have most clients would, would experience results and feel the difference and get it and connect the dots. But then there are people who they just don't, they don't notice or they don't acknowledge the shift that has happened or they're unable to see it, or it's just not so obvious to them for whatever reason. And there was this just thing in me that just wanted something that was so obvious that nobody would walk out of my office going, well, I don't know if that helped or not. And that was also partially because of throughout my journey, oh my goodness, the amounts of money that I spent on either supplements or healers or doctors or whoever that did not help, you know, and that was painful and annoying and just hard, you know? And so, so I just felt like I didn't want to be that person, you know, like I want, I want the people who come to me to know that they legitimately benefited from this experience. And so when I, when I finally discovered TRE and I, I, I melted that with the Qigong healing, I felt like, okay, now I really have something where I have zero doubts that, um, it was tangible. That, that this is, yeah, that this is incredibly beneficial, that there's real shift happening here, that I can hand people tools, you know, that they can take with them. This isn't just a, you're going to be dependent on me forever. My, my goal is really to, to teach people how to work in their bodies this way so that it's in their toolkit and they take it home with them. So yeah, so it's been a journey and uh, this is where I've landed for now. <laughs> okay. I've written down a few points of things I want to circle back to. And the first, yeah. I think, that I want to circle back to is this idea of, I forget his name, but the guy who did TRE, who started that, what was his name? David Berselli. David Berselli. When he noticed that the children were shaking Mm -hmm. and the adults weren't, why do you think it is that we, as adults, do you think it's because we've, we've just learned to suppress? That's absolutely it. It's hundred percent. So we are social creatures and we have been socially conditioned from a very young age to shut that shaking and tremoring down. It's just not a socially accepted behavior. You know, if you were in a restaurant and somebody was shaking and quivering, you, you'd be weirded out. You go, Oh, how do we help them make it stop? They need, they need something, you know, get it together. You need an Ativan or a shot of whiskey or something, but like, just don't do that. That's weird. Right. And actually I, I short, not long ago, it was a few months ago, I was on the freeway and I was, I was the 
first car right behind an accident. And this woman stopped short and her you know, bumper went up against the guardrail and it was really dramatic. And she pulled over and I pulled over to make sure she was okay. And I just was speaking to her. She was still in the driver's seat. I was speaking to her and she was shaking and tremoring and she apologized. You know, she goes, oh my gosh, I'm, I'm so sorry. That was just it was just really scary. And I, I, you know, and she was apologizing for being in the state that she was in. And I just was, of course, so perfect that I was there. I said, no, no, this is what I do for a living. You know, this is really beneficial. That, that shaking is your nervous system releasing the trauma, releasing the stress. You know, that was the guess that was very scary. And so it, it was great that I could be her, there with her in that moment. But we all have that knee jerk re- reaction that's been socially conditioned into us that we have to hold that in or tighten down or grip or just make it stop. Right. And so, um, so yeah, so that's why the children were shaking that the adults had learned not to. Yeah. What a shame, eh? What a shame that, you know, oh, it's weird. Shouldn't do that. We don't want to be odd when really it's our built in primal mechanism to release trauma. Right, 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 right. Yeah. And so on that note, then this idea, like, cause when someone hears that word trauma, they think of someone, you know, mm-hmm. for example, in a bomb shelter or someone who's experienced right. abuse or a car or, accident or ex- yeah. But yes. That word trauma, that's a funny word. And really the way that I'm using it, it's, it's, and you know, out in the world in conversation, people might be using it differently, but for this context, trauma is a spectrum mm-hmm. and it is anything that overwhelms the nervous system, which can be waking up to go to work on a daily basis, you know? And so, so we all have trauma. There's nobody that gets out of the human experience without stress or trauma. And it's, it's, it it could even be uh, an overwhelm that is seemingly positive, such as a wedding day or a graduation day. If you ever remember, you know, or public speaking, right. Standing in front of a crowd and that, that shaky feeling, right. That is that tremor attempting to emerge because the nervous system is being overstimulated. So yes. So, so trauma is not just, you know, I, I, I was a soldier or, although that said, that was primarily who David was working with when he began this work with soldiers and was soldiers with really intense PTSD and, and uh, they were all getting their lives back and their bodies and their hearts and minds through literally just through this process of shaking. So it is powerful. Yeah. It's incredibly powerful. I think of, so my, my grandparents obviously went through world war II, and my grandfather and many other men in that community, small community in Nova Scotia saw action and, you know, came home completely traumatized. Yeah. Most of them became alcoholics and, you know, like, and so the story goes, right. There's so many veterans, male right. and female that have similar stories is, and and now thank goodness there are you know, more and more programs coming in place where they're helping people to heal that trauma. But I just think, isn't that so sad? Like so many generations who wouldn't have had this. So much, pain have- and so much suffering if we yeah. known how to tap into the, the wisdom that's held in our bodies. Exactly. And so again, it's funny, I was having a conversation with a patient the other day and she said to me, you know, we were talking about how she was feeling. And she said, I've just, you know, I've been through so much the last few years and all of these things. And I used the word trauma to describe mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. And she said, wow, I would have never used that mm-hmm. word. Yeah. But that it felt like it resonated in her body. She's like, that's it. I've gone through trauma. 
And I don't know how, like, and she was stuck. She was stuck in fight or flight. And this is the thing. It's like, you know, emotions are, and is energy in motion. There's this energy that gets stuck in our bodies and it becomes suppressed. And that is what leads to the dis-ease. And so to have a a functional, to have a tool or to have a methodology in place where you can literally discharge and, you know, energy. Yeah. Yeah move that it, because it gets stopped in its tracks. Right. So you're allowing it to release the, the body gets to release it. It completes right. the cycle, which is also what acupuncture is doing, right. Is yeah. we're stimulating the, 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 the flows of energy so that that energy will move and, yes. you know, and, and move through these blockages. So releasing it. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. So good. This is a good segue into what I want to talk about next. So I might, I might save it. And instead um, okay. we'll circle back to who can benefit from neurogenic Qigong are people yeah. who are wanting to. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I think I'm everyone. I do. It is a physical practice. So I really can only work with people who are fairly capable in their bodies. Um, you know, I, I, I don't, at this point, I don't have a way of working with folks or who are in wheelchairs or have very limited movements in their bodies because it's a movement practice. And so, um, so there's that it would be beneficial for anybody who's up for working on their current, um, you know, health and state of being, because it is a little bit of work. This is not a passive experience. Like when you go get acupuncture or you go get a massage and you just get to lie on the table and there's something to be said for that. Right. But that's not what this is. It is it's work and it takes a certain amount of energy to hold the body in a position where you're allowing for this tremor to emerge. And it's not too much of, you know, like way less work than a power yoga class or something like that, but, but it's a little bit of work and it can feel a little awkward at first. And so so there's effort involved. And so, um, so there's that, gosh, you know, other than that, I mean, it is just such a brilliant practice and such a brilliant modality for moving that stuck energy internally that I really would say just about anybody can benefit from it. Yeah. Yeah. And getting people back in their bodies, right? Getting people back in their bodies. That's a huge piece of it. And I, I do work with, um, I've studied the felt sense work as well. And so a lot of times we'll, we'll scan the body while we're tremoring and, you know, look for areas that light up with greater sensation. And we'll just dive into that and explore, you know, what's held there. Um, so there's a, there's a lot of modalities that I kind of hodgepodge together, um, things that have just helped me, the things that have helped me, you know, over the last 14 years of healing. So, um, yeah, yeah. Amazing. So you had said this phrase when you said building a relationship with the unseen Mm. and I, I think when you said that, I was like, Ooh, that's a perfect segue into us talking about the 13 holy nights. Yeah. So let's, let's chat about that first. Okay. So uh, actually the, the, which part? For, for it, I said, not first, let's talk about that now. <laughs> well, first of all, let, cause I know it's a bit of a jump from Qigong, but let's... Okay. my Qigong teacher actually taught me the 13 Holy Nights practice and it is Damaris. Um, I do have one other teacher, Robert Ping, who I also highly recommend. And he, he does a lot more online stuff. Tamaris is like you either you live in Boulder and you're in her four-year program or you're not. She doesn't really teach for the public too often, but but Robert's very accessible. So anyway, if you're interested in, in more Qigong, check out Robert Peng. He's amazing. P-E-N-G. 
But Damaris taught me the practice of the 13 Holy Nights. And Damaris is so lovely because she is she just really brings this feminine quality to the Qigong, which can otherwise be a very male practice and lineage. The women in that culture in, in ancient China were more involved in uh, herbalism and, and you know, um, that sort of thing. And it was really the men who held the, the lineage of Qigong because the women would get married off into other families, right? And so uh, the Qigong was seen and known and understood as power. And so you didn't want to give your, your you know, secrets of power away to other family lines. And so that was how it, it stayed. So they kept it going through the patriarchal line to keep the knowledge within the family. Within the family, exactly. So, so anyway, circle back around, Damaris is so delightfully feminine and that she's very eclectic and she brings in, she brings in all kinds of different cultures. And she would always, in our lectures, she would always say, you know, this is called this in, in, in ancient Egypt. And it was called this in Africa. And it was, and she had studied with, with African shamans and Native American healers. And, you know, so she was very eclectic and very welcoming and feminine in that way. So she also was very steeped in the anthroposophic community, anthroposophy, which is Rudolf Steiner's work right? And if you don't know who Rudolf Steiner is, he created Waldorf education and also biodynamic farming. We have Steiner to thank for biodynamic farming. So he was this brilliant man. He was born in the 1800s sometime. I forget the exact year, but a a true seer and... He was a mystic for sure. He was such a cool dude. I have a few... Absolutely. Yeah. I love his book, How to Know Higher Worlds is probably the one that most people know, and that is the best place to start if you're interested at all in his work. But I think she learned the practice of the 13 Holy Nights from that community. Mm. And so, so she teaches it in her program. And so I, I learned it that first year with Damaris and I've been practicing it ever since. And it has absolutely without a doubt changed for sure the way I move through winter and the holidays, right? It's a winter solstice practice. But more than that, it has changed the way I walk through my entire life, more plugged in, more connected, more able to, to live from a place of tuning into the mystery, right? And, and, and just more connected to that and feeling into tangibly feeling into the energy within me and all around me and the infinite, right? And so I should probably give a little bit of a, of a nuts and bolts about I was just, and I actually use those words in my own mind. Like, let's, let's talk about the nuts and bolts of the practice. Yeah. Like, what is it? What does it entail? Yeah. So, so the 13 holy nights is a winter solstice practice. It is all about diving into the darkness, the stillness, the potent quiet of that time, the peak of winter, right? So if you look to nature and what nature is doing during that time, the trees have dropped their leaves, Right animals are either settling down, quieting down, hibernating, right? They're, they're not as active as they are in the other seasons and everything is drawing energy inward, right? Conserving energy, drawing energy inward. And then you take a look at what humans are doing in the Northern hemisphere, specifically during this time. And we are at our most frantic. We are overindulging in sugar and alcohol, right? So taxing the body, the opposite of conserving energy, 
We are shopping compulsively under fluorescent lights, zipping around into crowded parking lots and stressing our nervous systems. We have completely overscheduled ourselves with, you know, social activities. Um, it's just really the polar opposite of what is natural to our bodies and energy bodies during that season, during that time of year. So 13 Holy Nights is this opportunity to tune into what's actually going on during that time of year. And I talk about a lot about aligning with nature. That's a big just theme for me. And what, what I've noticed in the world recently is that the farther away we get from nature, the sicker and uh, the more depleted and the crazier we get. And the more we cozy up to nature in every single possible way that we can think of, the more we thrive, the more we come back to our own inner lights, to okay. our thing. Yeah. yeah, what I see as our true human potential. So this is one way, this practice of aligning with nature. And we, we are aligning with the rhythm of the seasons, which is powerful, right? These are energies. These are cyclical energies that we are a part of, whether we like to acknowledge it or not, right? And so if we can ride that wave of energy, as opposed to just, you know, I live in California, so like thrashing around in the white water and not noticing that these waves are happening, if we can ride the wave, it's incredibly empowering and super powerful. So in the darkness, in the wintertime, and at the peak of winter during the solstice season, we are planting our dream seeds in the fertile soil of the darkness, right? We're preparing for a new cycle. We're, pre we're preparing for a new year. So we're planting these dream seeds in the fertile soil of the darkness, and then they'll sprout in the spring, bloom into their full expression and expansiveness in the summertime. And then in the fall, we're harvesting the fruits of our labor before, you know, what do we want to keep and what do we want to put in the compost pile? What are we letting go of, right? Trees are dropping their leaves before diving back in for another cycle of seasons. So this is, this is a movement that's happening again, like I said, regardless of whether or not we're paying attention. And if we can, if we can, if we can move with that flow, wow, it's powerful. Okay, so, but nuts and bolts. <laughs> so I get so distracted. So uh, there's just so much to talk about. There so is, and I want to circle back to everything that you just were saying, and we'll we'll expand on that in a minute. But yes, yeah. we'll get nuts and bolts so, first. So it's 13 days, right? And each of the 13 days corresponds to a month in the coming year with the exception of the first night, which corresponds to the entire year to come. So you have the first holy night, which is like an imprint or a blueprint or a foreshadowing of the, the entire year ahead. And then, you know, the second holy night would be January, the third holy night, February, and so on. So what you're doing, so how does this practice work? What you're doing during the actual 13 holy nights is um, you're journaling and you are well, there's kind of two parts to it. So the one part is you're just paying attention. It is a 13 day practice in being present as utterly present as you can for 13 whole days, which is a long stretch, right? And um, I know for me personally, the first couple few years that I was doing this practice, I would get to day 10 and be like, oh my God, this is like, this is a long time to pay attention, you know, but, but it was strengthening that muscle in me, that ability to just live on a day-to-day -day basis from that place, not just in my morning 
meditation, not just in my yoga practice, you know, not just in my Qigong practice, whatever it was, but this is 13 days. It's a 13 day practice and learning how to walk more awake in the dream, right? So, uh, so you are just listening. You're being as present as you can and you're listening, you're paying attention, watching for cues, for, for hints and signals from the unseen world of energy, spirit, the divine, the cosmos, you know, whatever that is for you, angels, God. So, uh, so you're, you're literally just, just writing down everything that happens. And that, you know, it's like, so-and-so called me on the phone or this song came on the radio or this sign caught my attention today. And it's, I just keep my journal with me for 13 days everywhere I go. And I just, you know, chicken scratch out whatever's happening. It's, and it's, it doesn't have to, everyone does this practice slightly differently in your own way. It doesn't have to be a big ceremonial every night. I, you know, it's just, I'm just journaling through that time period. And then inevitably, when you go back throughout the rest of the year and you reference your journal, the way that that information, which seemed perhaps not super important or at the time, it just, it lines up in a way with your reality that is, you know, goosebump inducing, laugh out loud, like, are you kidding me kind of synchronicity? And, and, and the guidance and the wisdom is so priceless and so unique because it actually came from you and your personal relationship with the world of spirit, with the unseen, with the divine. So there's no, there is no, there literally is no, like, I, I personally don't think you could pay any uh, astrologer or psychic or medium or anything to give you better information than what you yourself can gather with your own relationship with the stars and the cosmos uh, during during that 13 day window. So, so that's the one piece is the receive, right? We're receiving guidance. And then the second piece is the dream seed part. It's co-creation, right? And so what, what are you wanting to, to give to that stream of light that's moving through just like a riptide of energy and it just gets swept right into your future so magically. So rather than just writing down a list of your new year's resolutions, right? You're actually doing the things. If you want to, to cook more then you know, before the holy nights, you gather your recipes and you make sure you've got your ducks in a row so that you can, so that you can make some beautiful meals during the holy nights. If you want to strengthen your meditation practice, you make sure you do that during the holy nights. If you want a certain person in your life, you reach out to them, whether it's a text or a phone call or a coffee date or a hike, you know, you, you do, you're actually creating, you're taking action and you're creating a physical energetic imprint and you're offering it to that magical window. And it literally does, it just gets swept right into your future. So so there's the receive, you're literally receiving the imprint from the cosmos that's streaming in during that time. And, and then you're also giving your intentions in a very amplified way. I say it's like um, New Year's resolutions on steroids. Yeah. So, um, so it's this, you know, it's co-creative. It's, it's receiving and giving. Um, the other piece of it, it is that it is just this incredibly nourishing and replenishing time right? If we can just get quiet and just receive during that time there, I mean, there, it's, it is actually t tangible, the difference in the energy um, during that time. It's, 
it's really remarkable every year it gets more palpable for me it's just legit magic i'm gonna um, leave it there and let you circle back to <laughs> to what you want to circle back yeah, to. no there's so much to, i'm taking notes i've been taking all kinds of notes so i don't forget all the points i feel like we could talk for hours about all of this because i'm i'm wow. so on the same page with all of it it's funny because I found out about you and I found out about the 13 Holy Nights through Christian Northrup. Yeah. And it was three years ago. This would be my fourth year doing the practice. Right, and right. before I circle back with like my experience, I just want to clarify too that um, when you were talking about this, like you're receiving and journaling, there have been times now, like I actually I'm holding my journal. I use it now as um, I, I start like, that's when my new year starts is yeah. it starts with the winter solstice and I start a new journal and it's at the beginning of the journal now is my practice, the 13 holy nights. And I bought your Oracle deck that goes along with the experience, which we'll talk about in a minute. So I would have this practice every day. Cause I was looking for something to bring back the sacredness. Mm-hmm. And we'll talk more about that in a minute, but it, it was just uncanning and, and humorous, like you said, like I would have, so I'd, I, you know, every morning or no, I would do it at night. I would like pull the card. Cause it has to be within 24 hours. Right. right. So you, I'd pull the card, I'd pull a card, I'd meditate, I'd journal, and I'd like to do it at night because then I could summarize what happened during the day. And yeah. again, I, I followed what you said to do. I was like, I'll just write like, you know, all the things like, you know, I chatted with my brother or, or we had dinner with our friends or, you know, I was feeling a bit low or I had like a really bad stomach ache. Like I, I put it all in there. Yeah. Yeah. That's perfect. <laughs> crazy. Or like the dreams. I always, I oh. feel like I dream like crazy during that time yes. because yes. I'm setting the intention going into the practice that I am laying down a blueprint and I'm working with the divine work I'm co-creating and I'm setting a blueprint. I'm setting my intentions for the year ahead. It's the fertile void, right? right? It's this, it's the time and the cycle and the wheel of the year where we're laying, we're planting the seeds of what is like you said, what is going to then spring and come to life over the coming year. And right. it, it's so true what you're saying, because I can go back to this journal now again, I put it at the beginning of my journal so I can circle back to it throughout the year. Cause if I'm having a particularly rough time or something's going on, usually I like to do it with my new moon practice where mm-hmm. the new moon will come and, you know, I'm setting my intentions for the month or this next lunar cycle. Right. I'll go back to the 13 holy nights for that, for this particular month. Sometimes I laugh out loud. I'm like, are you yeah. kidding me? Yeah. It matches. It's crazy. Like it really yeah. is. Beautiful. It really is. Oh. And it's really, it's just, it's that there's value just in noticing the magic, right? Because again, that's building your faith that there's some, something greater going on here, but beyond even just the uncanniness of it and the, and the strengthening of that faith muscle, it's it, the guidance is often just irreplaceable. It because just, you become your own Oracle. That's right. And you, and you, you, you have these bits of wisdom and guidance and things that you told yourself, you know, that help you move through whatever challenges and adventures emerge um, it, with just much more grace and perspective and groundedness and calm because you're going, okay, well, yeah, I see how this corresponds to this. And this was 
clearly written in the stars because here it is written in my journal, you know, in my own words, in my own, <laughs> in my own handwriting. Yeah. And, and then there's things that went my favorite story to tell. I have so many and dreams, like you said, I've, my dreams are incredibly prophetic during the holy nights over and over again. But one of my favorite stories, I was living in Boulder, Colorado at the time. And a friend of mine who's a, a really dear friend, but we, you know, he, he and his family live in North Carolina and I lived with my family in Boulder at the time. And, you know, we never saw each other, but good friends. He, he spontaneously called one afternoon. I was in line at the grocery store and he says, I'm on my way to the airport at DIA, you know, Denver International. Are you and, and, and Billy and Jocelyn around for dinner? Can we have dinner together? And I said, oh my gosh, of course, come up to our house. We lived in the mountains. We had a beautiful dinner. It was lovely as it always is. And then he went on his way to the airport. And, and after he left, I just kind of had this like nagging. I was like, did he, did I write something about Tommy in my, in my Holy Nights journal? And I just kind of was thinking about it. And so I went and I dug up my journal and I, and I go flip to the month, you know, the, the Holy Night that corresponded to the month of July. And I had literally written in my journal, I'd had a dream. And I, my note from the dream was a surprise, this is literally word for word. It said a surprise visit from Tommy, so much kindness and connection there. That was a dream. That's amazing. I, <laughs> right? During the Holy Night. So, you know, talk about building your faith that there's, there's magic, that the magic is real and legit. And it's all around us all the time. If we would only tune in. Right? Yeah, exactly. So I want to go back to the magic, but quickly, I want to mention the fact that you have this beautiful Oracle deck yes. like these cards that people, and we'll talk more about this at the very end of the podcast where how people can work with you and find your stuff, but you're also doing, so there's the cards that can go along with the experience and enrich the experience, but you're also doing a guided, like you're, oh, you're guiding yeah. people this year, right? Yeah. This year. So for the first time I, from the moment that I, this, I have the Oracle deck here. This is. Yeah. It's gorgeous. I love mine. Oracle deck and it's the book teaches the Holy Knights practice, the first portion of it. And then, you know, the rest of it is the, the wisdom of the cards. I know that the people listening to this can't see it, but hop on over to my Instagram and, or Laura, uh, Laura's Instagram That's and right. you'll see how gorgeous I forgot there's no video with this. So anyway, so I, when I first pub self-published this Oracle deck, I had a lot of people asking me for a guided experience and I turned everybody down because I just, for me, traditionally, this time is the time when I, if I can, I turn off my, like literally turn off my phone and I just get off my screens as much as I possibly can during the 13 holy nights. And that's really important to me because, you know, for all of us, we have, I, I don't, I don't know anybody who's not battling with screen addiction, you know, right now. So that's so important for me during the holy nights. And so I just said, no, 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 no. I'm not going to do anything online during that time. It's too sacred. That's my time. And I held out for a few years, but I finally realized that people are going to be on their screens, whether I am or not. And this community is growing and they want the community. They want the extra guidance, which I completely understand because anytime I ever do anything new, I want my hand held. Like I, I really love having somebody there with me to teach me as opposed to like watching. I'm, you know, I'm not that great at watching YouTube videos or I don't know, reading the fine print of directions. I love to have a real human teaching me and who's been there before. Right. And so I get that. And I, I, um, and so 
So this year, for the first time, I'm going to be offering a 13-day guided experience. We will come together for an hour once a day at, you know, just shortly after sunset and uh, we'll meditate. We'll do a practice together. We'll have a moment to draw our Oracle cards together. I will, uh, you know, suggest some journal prompts, remind people of the things they can write down in their journal. We'll have a little bit of time to journal together and then, you know, have conversation, questions, things that are coming up for people. So just simple, right? But it's interesting. I notice, you know, for myself, I've been to a handful of events with Dr. Joe Dispenza over the years and other, um, you know, when I, when I practice in person with my Qigong teacher, there is definitely something to energy being amplified when we come together in numbers. And it's not one plus one equals two, it is exponential. And so I am excited, despite all of my resistance in years prior, I am really excited um, for this experience because I know from those experiences of mine in the past coming together in numbers that energy is amplified and the magic gets even bigger in ways that just just blow the mind and so uh i can feel that in the last few years since the oracle deck has been out i can feel the magic of the 13 holy nights getting even more potent because there are more of us practicing the 13 holy nights and we're putting our attention there and we're putting our belief there and just the community, I think I've, um, I've sold about a thousand Oracle decks. And so, you know, that's a thousand people who are introduced to this practice, who are leaning into that magic. And it is actually tangibly, legitimately growing the magic. It's just, it's getting more potent, the more of us that, that, um, that come together and, and dive into the, the womb of winter together. Right. And so, uh, so like I said, despite all of my resistance in years past, I'm actually really looking forward to this because I know, I know there's going to be big magic unfolding. I love it. I'm going to put the links in the show notes below so that everyone can, you know, find you and find that experience, find the Oracle deck, et cetera. Um, but I want to, I shared this story with you, um, before when we were chatting, but I want to just share it here on, on this call because when I found the, you in the 13 Holy Nights, mm-hmm. I was desperately searching for that feeling of sacredness and magic for the holiday season. Because I remember as a little girl, you know, I would feel the magic of the holidays. And we would, my family, I grew up in a Christian family. And, you know, I just remember this, of course, I loved presents and the Christmas tree and like all these other things. But I have a very, very distinct memory year after year of going, it would be usually on, we would have this like Christmas Eve service and it would be driving to Christmas Eve, the Christmas Eve service. And I, we lived in the country. So the sky is very, very dark. And I just remember always looking out of the window from the vehicle and just looking into the sky, looking at the stars and like feeling the the magic quote unquote of Christmas or the season. And I would just, you know, and then there was something about, we would have these candlelight services. So everyone having candles and singing silent night or like, you know, just this like really beautiful experience. And it filled me. It's, I don't even know how to describe the feeling, but I can like feel it in my body right now. It was very like, it was a visceral experience. And, um, and I lost that the older I got. And I think it was because, you know, now as a mom, I'm, you know, running around trying to do all the the crazy. Yeah. Oh, crazy. Yeah. 
And then, you know, and we're busy. We have a, a beautiful community here on our island. And whether we're here for Christmas or home, like with our families back in Canada, it's still really busy and crazy. And there's Christmas parties and, you know, you have to do this for so-and-so. And, and you know, over the years, aside from, you know, managing my energy and putting up boundaries and saying no and learning to do all those things, I was like, I just found the holidays became really empty for me. And so I, when I found the 13 Holy Nights, I found that feeling again. And it, you know, yeah, it just, it, it feels magical. It's this, like you said, this, like, it's this beautiful container that you crawl up in, you know, Mm -hmm. like, you know, the depths of winter, it's, it's the beginning of the wheel of the year with winter solstice. And it's this fertile void, which, you know, you explain like the fertile void leads to the spring, which then leads to the you know, the beautiful blossoms and the, the bounty of, or the expression of summer, and then moves into the bounty and the harvest and the culmination of fall. And then we start all over again. So it's this idea of like this cycle of death and rebirth. Mm -hmm. And this idea of solstice really is, it's like this moment in time where it feels like time stands still a little bit. And, you know, the sun then start, like we start to have, I think, well, it's the longest night of the year. Right. It's, yep. and then from then on in, the days get longer, right. the nights get shorter, the light starts to come back in. So, right. yeah. So we have the rebirth. And the rebirth. so this imprinting and spending time going inwards, really focusing on connecting with ourselves and the divine, that has brought back the magic of the season for me in so many ways. I love that. What, so much. Yeah. And what I love about it too is you can be like, this isn't a religious thing. This is, this is hearkening back to, this is hearkening back to the, I mean, before Christmas became what it was, or the holidays became what they were. This is hearkening back to the rituals of our ancestry. Yes. Yes. This is a totally ancient practice. You know, even Steiner didn't, he didn't create this practice out of thin air. This is an ancient pagan practice that would have been right. Celebrated by cultures that that celebrated nature and the solstices and the equi- summer solstice, winter solstice, fall and spring equinox, right? And they were just in tune with these rhythms and, and, and held them as sacred and so honored them and celebrated them as sacred times. Yes. So yes, and I love the way you talk about how when you were a child, that magic was so real for you and then you lost it. And I, I think that is why this practice is so appealing to so many people because I think we have lost we have lost our connection with, with the true magic of the solstice season. And it is true. It is the truth of this time and it is real. And, and so there's this knowing, there's this knowingness somewhere deep inside that there, this should be more than just shopping and sugar and like glitter and tinsel, you know, like plastic tinsel. There's, there's supposed to be more, this is supposed to be bigger than that or deeper or something more, but like, this is, this isn't quite it, you know? And so I think so many people are, are feeling that getting burnt out on the the commercialism and the materialism holidays. And uh, yeah, so I I love the way you speak to that. And uh, it gave gave me goosebumps again, even though you already told me that story. (laughs) Well, and I think it's, thank you. It's such a beautiful way of connecting back to the sacred cycles, right? Connecting us back to nature, helping us remember our true nature, right? And like you said, when we become disconnected from these cycles, when we become disconnected from nature, we lose touch with ourselves because we are a part of nature. Right. And, you know, 
and 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 two, it's it's yes, the thirteen holy nights have been the vehicle to help me and anchor me. They are they're what anchor me throughout the season. But it also encouraged me to then go look at some of these other traditions that we just blindly do, and I have blindly accepted and had no idea what they meant, or the right. ritual behind them, the meaning behind them. Like even just the Christmas tree. What does the Christmas tree represent? Right. Like I had no idea that it represented you know, the magic of the evergreen and how evergreens were revered for having, you know, cause they didn't lose their needles. You right, had right. all these other trees that would lose their leaves. Right. All the other foliage would fall to the ground, but there were these evergreens. Representing and eternal, eternal they, being. Exactly. The yeah. They represented this, you know, in the darkest time of the year where everything, the fields lay fallow. Right. And uh, there was, you know, everything was hibernating. Well, not everything, but, you know, animals will go into hibernation and everything was quiet. And there was this contraction of the energy of the earth. These evergreens remained, you know, vital. And so there was this reverence for that. And this idea of bringing that into your home was blessing your home with this vitality and this rebirth, this idea of rebirth and starting the year, the wheel of the year, and, and, you know, having this energy of this vitality and good health in your home. Right. Who, who talks about that? With the Christmas? About that? Right. Right. And there's this whole other symbolism that, that I briefly brought up before we hopped on the call that we can explore now too. And I am just now exploring this within myself. So I don't feel like I have any authority to speak about it whatsoever, but we can explore it here on this call. And I've just been learning recently about what is called the prism oil and the claustrum in, which is an area in the back of the brain and all of this symbolism, right? So the claustrum supposedly, according to what I've been reading, uh, is, is where they came up with the name Santa Claus, the claustrum, right? And it's this, again, this area in the back of the brain that secretes this oil called the, the chrism oil. And supposedly, if we can get that chrism oil to descend down the back body and then back up the spine and to the pineal, that's when we have this, you know, this moment of truly connecting with the divine and enlightenment moment, a God moment and biological upgrade, you know, the cascade of hormones that, that would then, um, upgraded hormones that would then, you know, dominant effect. It changes our consciousness. It changes everything. And so, um, this is, um, it's the, so the claustrum being Santa Claus and then Santa Claus goes down the chimney and back up the chimney after depositing the gifts right beneath the Christmas tree and the Christmas tree with its pine cones representing the pineal gland. So just another, another metaphor, more metaphors, hidden metaphors, things that we we've never even thought of or have occurred to us or that are talked about or explored. I'm fascinated. The interesting thing with the chrism oil is that supposedly each one of us produces that chrism oil only at a very particular time of the month at the time when our sun sign when the moon is in our sun sign so the phases of the moon right that move through the the astrological signs so i have been just this last couple of months i've just been playing with this and i have not had my enlightenment moment yet disclaimer but i feel it coming (laughs) so so um so i because my sun sign is virgo in Western astrology, but in Vedic astrology, it's Libra. So I'm covering all my bases because just to be sure. So for five days for the last couple of months, 
I've been doing these meditations where um, I look really funny when I'm doing it. My daughter's like, mom, you look like you're dying. Are you okay? And I'm like, no, I'm just squeezing my chrism oil, honey. And she's <laughs> like, okay, whatever, mom, <laughs> she's 14. But um, so, so, so I squeeze the back of my head as best I can. Right. Which is awkward, but you can find those muscles. And then I squeeze down, I squeeze the shoulder blades together, squeeze the body, squeeze the kidneys, squeeze everything down into the, to the, to the sacral pump. And then, and then squeeze the abdomen and back up, right? And, and then use your breath to get, to get the energy back up into the pineal, into the center of the head. So that's um, what they do. That's what they do in Kundalini yoga. Yes. I, all kinds of crossover yeah. with Kundalini. Absolutely. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, Kundalini- and like we had talked about Dr. Joe's breathing exercises, which um, I, I'm just curious, you know, the people who are pinging off in his, you know, in his, uh, workshops, you know, 1500 people. And there's just a handful of people who have this really, you know, incredible, overwhelming experience. And it's always like, oh, they're the, they, they did it right. Or they figured it out or they're the lucky ones. And now I'm, now I'm kind of wondering, well, maybe it's just their time of the month when they're secreting this oil. So I'm yeah. curious, I would love to go to a Dr. Joe, another Dr. Joe event and just the people who are having really big experiences with the breath, with his breath work. I'd love to ask them all like, do a little experiment and just go, well, when's your birthday and see if they were all, you know, <laughs> I, I don't know. I, these are just things that I'm questioning and exploring in my own practice and my own seeking. That's so funny. I have a, a few of Joe Dispenza's like meditations where he does that breathing yeah. specifically to bring cerebral spinal fluid, like up into the ventricles in the brain to yeah. massage yeah. the pineal gland to like wake up and like up. have yeah. this this increase yeah. in, in consciousness. Okay. I'm going to commit to it. Like, yeah. and see if so, I can so find, you can, just, you can just search on the internet, you know, when is whatever your birth, whatever your sign is your sun sign, you can search when it's the moon in Virgo or Libra or whatever Leo, you know, and, and every month it's, there is for every month, all of the signs, the moon goes through all of the astrological signs. So it's usually like a two day period. And I do, what I've been doing is uh, I do 21 minutes of that breath work. And I've been doing it three times a day because I'm motivated. I'm, I'm, yeah, because you want to have that moment. Yeah, I'm after the mystical, I'm going after it. So, so back to, can we, can I just talk a few more? I want to say this because I know, you know, when this episode airs, it will be the beginning of the holiday season and many people yes. are going to be thinking about the holidays and getting ready and all of that. I'm in a choir. So we're recording this. It's still October. I'm in a choir and we're already practicing our, our Oh Christmas. yeah. Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, which feels a bit strange because we haven't even gone through Halloween yet, but you know, it is what it is. Right. I just want to hearken back to like a couple other traditions that we practice that people have no idea, you know what they mean and how they're all rooted in in the, you know, the rituals of our ancestors and, you know, like for example, caroling, do you know the history of caroling? I, I no, please enlighten so me. It's comes from the tradition of, of way sailing or was sailing, however you pronounce it. And it's this idea that in the villages or in the communities, they would come together and they would sing blessings over the fallow fields. So the community members would come together and they would sing a blessing over the fields because they were laying fallow and they were planting the seeds of the harvest to come that it would right. be prosperous. And, you know, and they would often drink mulled wine or mulled cider 
Mm-hmm. And so having this warming drink and they would also, the, his, the reason why oranges, aside from just the fact that, you know, they're in season often in like in Florida, et cetera, at this time of year, but this idea of like, you know, having these different fruits that you had collected from harvest and you'd be passing them and the cloves, putting the cloves in the orange and the orange representing wow. the sun God, because right. the son of God. This is goes back to, I actually have something underlined in this book here beside me that I'll read in a second, but this idea of the orange representing this like golden ball of light representing the sun and it coming back. Like there's all this like symbolism that's just so beautiful that we've totally forgotten. Right. And we are beings of light, right? So there's there's a lot of of the um, conversations that I've been in recently, we were talking about how the sun is the sun, S-U-N-S-O-N right? And we are programmed by that light. And so getting out into the light, you know, the sphere of the sunshine is definitely. Yeah. Receiving sun codes and activations. Perhaps not so beneficial that we actually really need to, just like a plant does, just like a plant would not thrive without sunlight. um, Neither do we. So yeah. There's definitely a play on words with, with sun and sun, like S-U-N and S-O-N, especially at that time. There's this little passage in this book I want to read as we finish up our conversation. It's called The Magical Year. I don't know if you've seen this one. No, check it out. Yeah. By Danu Forrest. And so it's The Magical Year, Seasonal Celebrations to Honor Nature's Ever-Turning Wheel. Mm -hmm. And so under the bit for solstice, so it says at midwinter, the days are at their shortest and the powers of light and warmth are subdued by those of darkness and cold. However, from this point onwards, the days lengthen. It is at this pivotal point in the year when the Lord of the sun is born anew, bringing him hope or bringing with him hope, renewal and life once again, while the sun, so referring to the sun. So while the sun seems to stand still for a precious moment, we know that it will not be so dark again for another year. For this reason, in mythologies all around the world, many sun gods and magical children are said to have been born at this time. These beings are often called the uh, the child of promise or the wondrous child who heals the world by his very birth. So obviously, like if you think of Christianity and, you know, but that it didn't start obviously with Christ. Um, So as well as, as Christ Jesus or Jesus Christ, sun gods, get it? the son of God, sun mm. gods, such as the Roman Mitras. I don't know if I'm saying that right. Mithras, Mitras, and the Greek Addis are said to have been reborn at winter solstice. And so even in Roman times, the modern date for Christmas being, you know, December 25th was declared the birth date of the soul of Victus. So the unconquered sun, because the sun's making, it's coming back, right? It's, it's, right. it's the unconquered sun long before it was associated with Jesus. So I'm not, this is in no way knocking uh, you know, people right. listening who have a faith. It's no, more. I think it strengthens the, the exactly. faith. Exactly. I think it's strengthens. Look at, there's all of these correspondences that are all saying the same thing, just exactly. from a different cultural perspective. Yeah, right? exactly. Yeah. One of the things I find interesting is, you know, there may be this idea of like the sun and that's very patriarchal, like, or not patriarchal, sorry. It's very masculine. Um, the, the sun is masculine. But the moon is feminine and, and the darkness of that time, it's the fertile void. It's the most feminine time. So I, so for me, I have a whole new relationship to darkness. And mm-hmm. for me, if you think about like, if you've ever, if you've ever suddenly had the light shut off 
you know, we're like into complete darkness where maybe there's no windows or, you know, and there's like little filaments of color in the darkness, right? This is like outer space. It's the idea that, um, that in one cubic meter of, of space, there's enough energy to boil all the oceans on the earth, you know? Mm. And so yeah. there is even in quote emptiness, it's not empty, right? It's filled with potential. It's brimming with possibility. And so there, the light within the darkness, right? Has, yeah. um, has taken on a new tangibility for me from this practice of the 13 Holy Nights and everything that it's taught me over the years. Yeah. So, uh, Cause it's so, still, it's still the fertile void, right? It's, it's, it's not a void just sitting there empty. It's a fertile void. And that's why too, one other, this is the last, you know, tradition I'll, I'll speak upon right now, but, um, I did a whole masterclass on this within the nest. And so I just, it just blew my mind. The more I went through all these things was, you know, mistletoe and, you right. know, kissing under the mistletoe is like such a, a thing we, you hear about it all the time, especially in the Hallmark movies, my goodness. But it's this idea of, you know, again, mistletoe is in China, like in herbal medicine, mistletoe is an amazing herb that's used for fertility, for cancer and the cancers of the breasts and uterus and all these other things. And it's such a a feminine, like the energetics of mistletoe are so feminine and it's, it's a fertility herb. And so even that, like this idea of like, when you would put mistletoe, bring mistletoe, um, because again, it's an evergreen, it would still be happening growing this time of year in the winter um it was to bring fertility into your home right it would bless these couples who are hoping to have a child and all of these things so it's this idea of it's a fertile void and so again going back to the 13 holy nights is this idea of the seeds and the seeds that you're planting and um and the blueprint that you are co-creating with the divine for the year to come and i just i want to thank you for um for the cards that you created and and for highlighting this practice and, and talking about it. And I'm so grateful because it's really brought back so much of the sacred magic for me for the holidays. I just love that. You are so welcome. And thank you for reaching out and um, for this beautiful conversation and all the wisdom and all the nuggets that you are offering out to your audience in the world. Yeah. Oh, it's my pleasure. Okay. And so for people to find you and work with you. So first of all, yeah. the guided experience and the deck, I will put a link for that. And then also the neurogenic Qigong so they can yeah. more about you yeah. and your, I have two websites. There's a website for the, for the Oracle deck and the 13 Holy Nights practice. And that is uh, 13, the numbers one, three, Holy Nights, Oracle.com 13 Holy Nights, Oracle.com. And there are links there to the guided experience if that's um, interesting at all. I'll also be um, teaching an online masterclass on the solstice. And that, honestly, if you listen to this conversation, that's the masterclass. I'm just going to be teaching about the practice and, you know, telling all the things, um, all the things about it. So, uh, but that's there. Maybe if you have a friend that, that, you know, would like to do that or, um, and then my neurogenic Qigong practice, my website is uh, larajday.com. So L-A-R-A, don't sneak a U in there as people often do, L-A-R-A-J-Day, D-A-Y, Lara J Day. And there's a link actually in my Holy Nights website to the Lara J Day website and a link in the Qigong website to the Holy Nights. So 
you know, once you're on either site, you can find all the things. And you're also on Instagram. I'll put your link to the, the link to your Instagram there too. That's, my Instagram is now Lara J day also. So amazing. Thank you so much, Lara, for joining me for this conversation. It's been so wonderful to connect with you, uh, very like-minded and uh, kindred spirit. So thank you so much. Oh my gosh, absolutely. Thank you so much for reaching out. And I just love all the work and wisdom that uh, you are spreading out into the world. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Nest Podcast. Please be sure to follow me on Instagram at drmariskataylornd, as well as visit my website at drmariskataylor.com. And if you like this episode, please rate, review, and subscribe on your favorite podcast app. See you again next time.